If we choose to be a tree, we not only get to grow up to these dizzying heights over the long haul, but we actually get to last for generations. We get to build something that lasts. We are not only a thing of beauty in and of ourselves, but we bear fruits to be given away. We are shade and shelter for others to come rest under. We know that the wisest people in society, this is not mine, I forget who said this, but the wisest people in society are the ones who plant trees they will never rest under. That is the work that we're doing right now. And it's hard. It's, I mean, in the, in the middle of it, you would much rather be milkweed. My goodness, look at that. But if you traded it, if you made that choice, if you snapped your fingers and freaky Friday and asked the genie for the wish and swapped stories with them, think about that outcome. And so we don't get to walk among the giants if we're not willing to take our time. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, business leader, community activist, author, speaker, CEO, nonprofit director, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal with this show is to show you, the listener, that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is my dear friend and just incredible human being, Mary Morantz. Mary grew up in a trailer in rural West Virginia, the first of her immediate family to go to college. She went on to earn a master's degree in moral philosophy and a law degree from Yale. After turning down a six-figure salary law firm offers in London and New York and starting a business with her husband, Justin, together they have gone on to build a successful online education platform for thousands of creative entrepreneurs worldwide. She is the best-selling author of Dirt, and she is also the host of the highly ranked podcast, The Mary Morantz Show. She and Justin live in an 1880s fixer-upper by the sea in New Haven, Connecticut, with their two very fluffy golden retrievers, Goodspeed and Atticus. You may remember that Mary has been on the show before. This is her second time on the show. And some of you know that I am pretty picky as to who I allow to come back on the show more than once. And Mary is a no-brainer because she's absolutely incredible. Her second book is coming out in May called Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots, Finding Grace, Freedom, and Purpose in an Overachieving World. And when I tell you that this conversation today is probably going to change your life, I don't think I'm being an exaggerator. It was such an incredible conversation. Mary is so wise. She's so smart. And there were a couple of times throughout the conversation where we just had some vulnerable moments. I might have gotten a little verklempt. It was a, a lot happened. And it was a conversation I'm going to remember for months, if not years from now. She's such a gem. I was so honored to be able to have her back on the show. And I know that you are going to love this episode. But before I get to my conversation with Mary, I want to thank our partner of the show. And that is Mama Suds. After a long, cozy winter inside, it is time to bust open the windows for that spring cleaning. So grab your Mama Suds germ cleaners and get to work. From the windows, to the walls, to the floors, to the upholstery, to the carpets, you name it, Mama Suds has a truly safe product to help you clean it. We have used Mama Suds in our home for years. I love their all-purpose cleaner because I know that it is safe and it's effective. My kids love to use it because they feel like they're helping 
building and it smells great. It is amazing. So head on over to mamasuds.com and use the coupon code Molly for 15% off your order. Now, without further ado, on to my conversation with Mary Morantz. It's a special day. It is a special day because we have the beautiful, the wonderful, the incredible Mary Morantz on the show. Mary, thank you for being here. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Can you just come do that for me every day? Everywhere. I, every day just be introduced that way? Wow. Be, what an amazing start. You can hire me to be your personal hype woman. <laughs> Listen, you could run a business around that because you just love people so well and Aww. you make people feel so seen and important and just safe. And so I'm just, I feel like this is like a, a bubble of happiness and safety in the midst of the calendar right now. Oh, I love so it. I just love you. I just yeah. love you. And I, I shared this with you before we started recording but I felt that it was really important to, to announce it here on the show that you are now part. And, and we've got to like, maybe we can brainstorm this at some point. We, I've got to come up with something that's like a special club of guests who have been on the show more than once. Like think of SNL five timers <laughs> club. I need Steve Martin coming on and presenting you with a velvet jacket. Um, yes. Yes. The people I'm, who have- I'm no less than that. That's yes. the standard. The standard. <laughs> I will accept nothing less than Steve Martin. Um, but yes, yeah, so you are officially the third person to come on the show uh, more than once. Uh, so Liz Bohannon was first to come on twice. Daniel Grothy was second to come on twice. And now Mary Marantz. And so you're a part of a very exclusive club. And wow. that just says how much I love you and how incredible I think you are. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's a, I mean, listen, I, as, from one podcaster to another, I know what a huge honor that is oh. because there's so much work that goes into this. So I do not take that lightly. And it just, man, I love you. And I appreciate you so much. So thank you. Of course. And I do want a velvet jacket and I'm wearing a velvet shirt right now. You are wearing a velvet shirt. So it's very, (laughs) it's very timely. It's very timely. Well, I am just, I'm so excited. You get to do, you know, so as you know, when you first come on the show is you give the Mary 101. So now you get to give us the Mary 201. So What? what is going on in your life? What is new since we last spoke? You, uh, since we last spoke and you came on the show, uh, you released Dirt, which became a best selling book. You won like uh, awards. I mean, all kinds of things. You're now coming out with your, uh, you released a devotional. You've got a second book coming out. So many things. So give us the Mary 201. What's happening in your life since we last talked? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I think it's just important to acknowledge that so much in the world has happened since we last talked. And We were chatting a little bit about this before hopping on, just like the, it's kind of like, I've been saying it's like all of your favorite dystopian movies are playing at once and you're not sure which screen to look at. Um, It's been, it's, it's, we're in wild times over here. And so it is very, it's a very strange thing to be, you know, continuing in this work you were created to do, to be both obedient to the work, you know, to God that God is asking you to do, but also like to be a good steward with your partners in this, your publishers, your marketing teams, what have you, to be moving forward full steam ahead while also trying to pray and grieve and mourn for very hard things happening in the world. And so it is it is a strange balance, but you know, I do feel like in a very strange way, I feel like this message is going to be very healing to people. This idea that we actually don't have control. We actually don't get to just like close fist our way into getting the outcome that we want. And that 
you know, surrendering where we are, surrendering the outcomes that we want, surrendering those blank spaces in our lives and being willing to grow according to the plan and the timeline that God has for us. I feel like all of us have reached some version of the end of ourselves anyway, this death to self that that none of this is working. And so it's kind of a really good time to get a message that says, good, that's where the good work in your life can begin. Mm, Man, we're already, we're already having church up in here, Mary. (laughs) You're right. I love that. I love that idea of which dystopian movie is currently playing and is it Contagion? Is it it World War Z? I don't know. The Um, day after tomorrow. The day after tomorrow. It's it's truly, uh, it's truly something else. Um, I think really, wh- what's the movie? There was some movie back in, was it Dante's Inferno or Dante's Peak? Like the one where there was like a random uh, a volcano in the middle of LA. <laughs> oh, so Dante's Peak is a volcano movie, but it's at a town called Dante's Peak. Volcano is the one in LA. Oh, okay. And they were yes. like maybe twin movies because there's that whole phenomenon yeah. about twin movies, like movies that come out yes. around the same time that are very similar that try to compete mm-hmm. with each other. Anyway. Deep Impact Armageddon. Yes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Clearly we're, yeah. Whoop. Okay. I'm get, getting us back on track, Mary, but I love it. Um, okay. So you are, you know, I, one of the things that I'm so excited about this book, uh, slow growth equals strong roots, which is the, the title of your new book. It comes out or came out by the time this is airing, it's already out into the world, which you should just pause this podcast and go buy it because Mary is a painter with words. She's a beautiful writer and, you are somebody who has lived this motto out, this mantra out for years, so much so that, I mean, I still have my pink slow growth equals strong roots sweatshirt that you gave me when you launched your podcast. And I wear it all the time. Like it's one of my favorite sweatshirts. (laughs) And every time I wear it, I I think of you. But I mean, that just goes to show that this is not a book that just came out of the blue for you. This is a a story. This is a message that you have been writing and that God has been writing in your life for years. So can you tell us about that? Like, when did this message begin for you? And why is it something that has always almost, it's it's almost like it's been simmering Mm. for quite some time. And you're like, okay, it's now ready that the rest of the world hears it. Yeah. Well, Molly, the first thing I will tell you is like, be careful when you choose a mantra for your life because life has a funny way of making you live it. Like Justin and I joke all the time, like, why didn't we say overnight success is super easy and everything we touch turns to gold? Like that would have been much more fun probably. Um, But here's the thing. I feel like, I just feel like this is slow growth equals strong roots has been the story of my life. And what I mean by that is I've sort of always been the one that people just kind of overlooked a little bit. They kind of discounted a little bit, which like some of you listening, if you've known me through my photography career, you're going to be like, Mary, come on, come on, come on, come on. But I mean that genuinely when Justin and I started in the photography business, even before that, when I was in college and getting ready to apply to law school, like my life has been marked by a series of, there was always somebody shinier. There was always somebody louder. There was always somebody more extroverted. There was always somebody with more followers. There was always somebody people were just like swooning over. And Justin and I, like in our photography career, we were just this like slow and steady climb up the mountaintop to the point that by the time we were like 
thinking about me pivoting into being an author, we were pretty much at the height of anything we'd hoped to do in that industry, but it was like the overnight success that took 15 years, you know? And Justin, that, that's when this phrase first originated in our lives was the very beginning of our business around 15 years ago. And I just saw a lot of people who either had started at the same time as us or maybe started after us. And they were just blowing up. They were just shooting up out of nowhere. And I was like, why is that not happening for us? And he said two things to me. One is he said, I think that you are looking at people running sprints when you were created to run a marathon, when we were created to run a marathon. And like people who are running sprints, they get there fast, but they're not going very far. And maybe they go 100 meters or 200 meters or 400 meters or worse. They loop the track and they're right back where they started and they did it fast, but they're right back where they started. He said, where we are going takes time because we're covering ground. And that's when he first said to me, slow growth equals strong roots, which is two different metaphors, but I was so here for it because I have had to preach that to myself. He has had to remind me of that. I'm now starting over in a brand new industry, trying, you know, bottom of the mountain, climbing again. And I'm right back in that phase where there are people who look at me and they look right over me or they look right through me. And I bet a lot of people listening right now who have a dream of building something know that feeling of just not mattering too much to like a group of people or a table you're not invited to or whatever the case is. And there's a history now where I can say to myself, the fact that it's taking longer just means that there's a different plan. There's a reason Redwood Giants have a different timeline than Milkweed. And I can trust that the character that's being forged in this time, in this slow and steady time, these deep roots of character that are being put down, of empathy that are being put down, Right now, I will just be super honest. I am in a season of you've got too much pride, Mary Morans. You want to do it yourself. You want to do it in your own power. You want to do it by your own control. You do not want to surrender. You do not want to have to be in a position to say, I couldn't do it, but God did. So we're going to hang out there until you have a little less attachment to this. I did it myself. Grandma Goldie and dirt. I'll do it myself. So long story short, it's been around forever. And I, and like, I don't know. Like that's something I have to like really think about and be careful with because it's tempting to then have that underdog filter to everything I do. But the truth is, slow growth equals strong roots is 15 years in the making, and now it's in a book form. Mm -hmm. Mary, I have to say that, and I'm just going to apologize in advance to the listeners that you're just about to listen to a very just probably just private and personal conversation uh, between Mary and I, and that you just get to tune into Um, (laughs) because I. For real, like I was having this exact conversation with my husband on Saturday night. So, you know, we're recording this on a Monday. So two nights ago, um, we lost power and um, we have a generator. Yes, we do. which I'm really super thankful for. But we run it off of a propane tank. And so we still want to conserve as much as we can. So we turned off all the lights and we just had all these candles. And it was really nice because my husband and I just kind of sat down and just for the longest time, there was no distractions. We just sat and talked. and we were talking about kind of our dreams and our goals. And and he was asking me, my husband asks really great questions. It's just that's his nature. And he asked me uh, kind of a best case scenario question with something I'm doing. And I just, it opened up something in me where I began to talk about openly about the frustrations I don't think I've ever really talked about with anyone else in that, you know, I've been in the content creation industry since before that was even really a thing. I mean, it's 15, 16 years. And you know, I've been writing and I've been speaking and I've been podcasting for nearly six years now. And, you know, and I was saying to him and I was like, I've never missed an episode for five and a half, almost six years. I have, I've not repeated an episode. I've had bonus episodes for every Wednesday, you know, like faithfully. And like, why isn't it growing the way that I want it to? I mean, I was just like really pouring out things that I've never really verbalized out loud. Like, why am I not where I thought I 
should be after this long. (laughs) And like, I don't, I'm not, you know, and I was like, it's kind of similar to what you were saying, where you were saying, like, there are people who kind of come behind you and they start after you. And all of a sudden they are just like growing faster. And you're like, but I'm doing, I'm doing the same thing. And I don't understand. And like, I know I produce a good show. I know I'm a good interview. Like, I know, like, you know, all these things. And I start the lies start to formulate. And I have to then have this conversation with myself and remind myself that slow growth equals strong roots. And funny enough, because God has a hilarious sense of humor, my word of the year for 2022 is rooted. Mm. And that that word kind of I didn't choose it. But it, it, it came along for a lot of for a lot of different reasons. We're planting a church right now, which also will really, really test your reliance on God, um, you yeah. know, and then obviously there's a lot of like kind of big career things that are potentially happening this year and just a lot of things. And so I, I've had to remind myself that I need to be rooted in my family. I need to be rooted in my community. I need to be rooted here on our farm. I need to be rooted in in my why and what God has created me for and not get distracted with producing a ton of leaves. I need to produce fruit, not leaves. And that is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. But here's what I would say to you. Here's what what I, oh man, I hear it in your story. I hear it in my story. It's something I keep reminding myself of is, you know, we, right now you and I are like hanging out with Mr. Miyagi. We are waxing on, we're waxing off, we're painting the fence. And we're like, what is all of this for? And we have no idea the muscle memory that we are forging, that we have no idea how God is going to use the interview skills, the empathy skills, the thinking on our feet skills, the like able to jump right in and drop right into a conversation skills that we are doing by showing up faithfully week after week. And for anybody listening, maybe that's showing up and telling it, you know, stories on Instagram, even though Instagram is the worst (laughs) ever Um, or whatever it is, you know, maybe it's like uh, checking in on a friend faithfully or just like those things you are modeling for your children faithfully and you have no idea if it's getting through. Like we have no idea how (laughs) we're not at sweep the leg stage yet maybe, but we have no idea how much paint the fence is going to come in. And I have an analogy in this book. I actually wrote about it for the first time years ago on my photography blog. And it talks about For each of us who are going out to make an impact in the world, I think there are three types of people we can choose to be. And the first is it is very tempting when you're first getting started, when you're in the messy middle, when you're, uh, you know, established in an industry and you see somebody come flying up behind you, whatever the case is, it is very tempting to want to grow just like a weed. One day there's nothing and the next day it's six feet tall. It just shoots up to dizzying heights out of nowhere. One day it's an empty field and the next day it's full of dandelions, right? Like everything it touch touches multiplies with this dizzying speed, this dizzying multiplication. And it's so easy to go, God, why don't you grow me just like a weed? Look how fast, how much, how many, all of this fleeting currency of more until you run through that field of weeds. When I was a little girl growing up in West Virginia, the single wide trailer, there was a field of overgrown weeds right behind the trailer before the deep, dark woods beyond. And we would go running, racing through this field of weeds to get to the woods. And we would just, they would be five feet tall, six feet tall, well over our heads. And we would just run along going, bloop, 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 like pulling them out right out of the ground, half an inch of roots, right? They just pulled right out. They did not stand for something. They were not rooted. So they got knocked right over. And suddenly, all of this growth on the surface is not that impressive anymore because you realize it's going to be that 
uh, wheat from the chaff, it's going to be left for the furnace, right? It's not going to last. And so then there are the people who are tempted to be flowers. We want to grow for the sake of being beautiful, for building a beautiful life. And there's nothing wrong with being a thing of beauty. The world needs more beauty. There's nothing wrong with starting from humble beginnings and wanting to build a beautiful life. But the thing is, like you were just talking about, for all of us, if we choose to be a tree, we not only get to grow up to these dizzying heights over the long haul, but we actually get to last for generations. We get to build something that lasts. We are not only a thing of beauty in and of ourselves, but we bear fruits to be given away. We are shade and shelter for others to come rest under. We know that the wisest people in society, this is not mine, I forget who said this, but the wisest people in society are the ones who plant trees they will never rest under. That is the work that we're doing right now. And it's hard. It's, I mean, in the, in the middle of it, you would much rather be milkweed. My goodness, look at that. But if you traded it, if you made that choice, if you snapped your fingers and freaky Friday and asked the genie for the wish and swapped stories with them, think about that outcome. And so we don't get to walk among the giants if we're not willing to take our time. What you said reminded me it, this, the timing of this. And I just, you know, I believe that there are no coincidences in my uh, kind of just devotional time this morning. This was, <laughs> this is literally, I'm going to read it part of it for you because it's just a little bit creepy that this is what we're talking about. Yeah. But it was talking about, um, we often tell the Lord, this is my dream. This is what I want to do with my life, even though God has a very, has a completely different plan for us. We often say, I don't want to remain in this vine anymore. I want to produce great. I don't want to produce grapes. I want to grow oranges. Once the branch stopped being in the vine, because this is talking about when, um, the scripture where Jesus says, like, I am the vine and you are the branches. Um, mm -hmm. Once the branch stopped being in the vine, it would not produce oranges, but it would immediately die. And it talks about it's really interesting that Jesus often compares himself to a vine, a, a grape vine, a vineyard. And why would he choose grapes? Like, why wouldn't he choose a jackfruit tree or mm. quite literally anything else? Um, you know, because if you think about the jackfruit tree produces a really ugly fruit, but it's it, it's incredibly strong fruit. It's an incredibly large, strong tree. So like, why did Jesus choose grapevines? What is it about that? And what's really interesting is that grapevines branches, even without fruit, they're so weak that they must be tied up to wire so they won't fall to the ground. These branches have no strength or support in and of themselves. That's without added weight of leaves and fruit. And so it's this picture of you have to be tied into the vine in order to survive. Wow. And isn't that like crazy, just that that was That's my devotional this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are talking crazy. basically exactly about that. Okay. Oh, no, go ahead. No, you go. You go, please. Oh, I was. Just, I want to read you something. So I want you to finish out this thought because I'm going to read you something from Slow Growth that's just going to... It's, it's going to be like... Gonna, yeah. <laughs> we're just, everyone's going to self-combust. Um, yeah. It, so I just... This morning, and I, it was that reminder to me that... You know, the other thing that I think is really interesting, this is the last thing I'll say about this is that when you are because we you know, we live on a farm and we're trying to actually one of the things that we're trying to grow is grapes. And one of the things that is interesting about tending to a grapevine is that in order to produce the best fruit, you have to prune and prune mm. and prune to the point that the branches connected to the vine actually think they might be dying. Mm. Wow. So that what happens is they 
further attach into the vine and the vine digs deeper roots and more nutrients are able to go into the vine to produce the best fruit on the branches. If you don't prune your grapevines, then they produce really shallow roots. And so they produce a ton of leaves and they look beautiful, but they produce no fruit because all the leaves actually block out the sun too much to be able to produce the best fruit. So every season you have to prune and prune and prune and prune and cut away things that you're like, well, this actually like this looks good. This looks like it's a great part of the branch. And it's not. And so it's cutting it away to the point that it can produce the best fruit. And it was that reminder for me this morning that the last couple of years, I have been pruned. We have all been pruned, but kind of in a lot of ways in my own life and in my career and, and the way the pandemic hurts different parts of my business. And I had to pivot and and try different things and just thinking about, well, I I thought I would be in X place by now. What God was actually doing was pruning me and forcing me to grow those deeper, stronger, more substantial roots Mm -hmm. so that eventually I am producing the best fruit that he wants me to produce. And um, yeah, so it's just uh, that was literally my prayer this morning. And then we have this conversation and it's just my mind is absolutely blown. Well, here, here, well, (laughs) just wait. Oh, Um, Mary's like, oh, I got you. That is. No, it's just, it, I have head to toe hot chills happening right now because it is so crazy when God moves like this. And listen, like, just to be clear to everybody who's listening, this does not happen on every episode, the podcast episode I've been on, or I mean, I've been on some amazing interviews, but this, this is not just, this is, we're not putting on a performance right yeah. now. This is happening. I told you, they're just li- listening into some private, just some Mary and Molly, yes. just having a chit chat. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, well, first of all, I was literally, my my new routine is I'm sitting right now at my kitchen island and I will literally just like every morning I come down and I literally circle the island like a hundred times. Like I'm not counting, but like a lot of times um, in prayer. And I was praying about the vine to the branches this morning, first of all. And like just all those same prayers about like, I just need you to like flood. It was like a combination of vine and the branches and like doing a new thing in the wilderness. Um, I just need you to like flood all of these areas with like new power and new life and new life force. And so I want to read to you this part um, in Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots. It's the first entry in part three, which is called Anchoring Hope, Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots. This is the one that's actually named after the title of the book. And the first entry says running or rooted. And it's talking about if you run from your story long enough, sooner or later, you are going to find yourself at a place in the road where you thought would be you would be further along by now. And it's kind of going through this whole analogy of like, there's it starts with the appearance of tiny mile markers tucked just off to the side of the path, barely even visible for having gotten lost somewhere in the overgrown weeds. But as you tread along, the sound of your own feet striking pay dirt and thudding out a heavy heartbeat of evermore in your head, the signs all around you begin to get bigger. They start counting down to something like those giant billboards in the Carolinas telling you it's only 150 more miles until your next must-do attraction. You can feel the urgency rising up inside you now, though you're not really sure why. All you know is that you only have so many more miles to go before you need to accomplish everything you once set out to do. And then it goes on, that, that entry part goes on and ends with... Are you going to be a person who cares more about winning races or growing strong roots? And then this is the part I really wanted to read to you. I'm talking to my coach, Kim, and saying like, you know, honestly, becoming a tree, standing in one place on the shore, becoming a tree sounds like pretty boring to me. It sounds like quitting. And I say, when I first think about becoming a tree, all I can think about is being stuck. 
The mud draws up all around my ankles, fast like quicksand. A tangle of hands and roots then bursts forth from the ground, clawing at my Achilles heels, intertwining with the sinew of every muscle until my legs feel heavy, like they are no longer my own. Before I know it, I'm 12 inches deep in this shallow grave. It is a monument to a life that up until now I have lived entirely for myself, and it is at last coming to an end. But rather than resting there in the peace of what's coming, there is one last resurrected rush of self-sufficiency, a gnawing and thrashing of the will. Just when you begin to get rooted, you try to break loose to run free once again. And it talks all about basically how this vine is no shackle. This vine is fire and color and freedom and dirt. But there's a struggle there. You feel like, why do I have to be tethered? Why do I have to be chained down? Why do I have to be, why can't you be a safety net instead of shackles, instead of a a tether, God? And uh, that's been probably the journey of my life, (laughs) I would say, especially the last few years. Well, I'm sitting here just like tears are just streaming down my face because there's just, uh, yeah, that was the message I needed to hear this morning. Um, Mm. And it was the reminder that I, that I needed that like I'm doing which, you know, my husband, of course, spoke this over me as well. And the, I, the Lord speaks it over me every day. But like hearing just a, p- a peer also speak that. Um, and I know you weren't like speaking it over me, but it just it was like the message. It just yeah, was, it was reminding <laughs> of of like you're doing exactly what you need to be doing and you need to continue on in, th- in that. And it just. Yeah. And I'm being real vulnerable here because, you know, this is uh, this is something that often we we want to portray success and we want to portray everything is easy and we want to portray that we just have it all together and that, uh, you know, we, we are just doing the dang thing and everybody is inviting us to do all of the things that we want to do. And that's just not the case. And more often than not, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of leaves out there. Yeah. You're seeing a lot of leaves and when you actually get to see the fruit of hard work, um, you know, again, I mean, you grew up, you know, in the mountains of West Virginia. And, and so I know that you talk about this some in, in dirt and, you know, just when you get the opportunity to really tend to something and to really work at making sure that it's, um, you know, especially like in our garden this year, um, you know, we're already, we're, knee deep in in dirt and and getting our garden going and um every year you know when we go to prune things or we go to to cut back things or we pull out you know plants that might be good and healthy but they're actually choking out other plants um yeah. it's scary but then when we get to the middle of the summer and i have a a plate where i have chicken on my plate that we raised and harvested ourselves alongside a Cherokee purple sliced tomato with some Maldon sea salt. There is nothing like it. Okay, you don't need anything else. You just need a <laughs> Cherokee purple sliced with a little with some Maldon sea salt. Maybe a little that pepper. Incredible. If you if you want something a little if, if you're feeling spicy, spicy. Um, it's just a, you know a sliced tomato, maybe some fried okra from the garden. And it's just, it is a plate that is filled with all of the the, the literal fruits of your literal labor yeah. and the, the rewarding feeling that that is. And then when you, when you translate that to your career, to your family, to your marriage, yeah. that makes all of the crap <laughs> worth it. Yeah. All of the times yeah. where you just feel like you are... Like you said, where I just, I feel stuck 
or I feel like I'm about to just fall over and break in half. Um, And that is a really hard thing to admit that we are struggling with that feeling. And it's also a really hard thing to admit that maybe we need to have a conversation with a friend or have a conversation with our spouse or have a conversation with a coach or a counselor and just say, here's my stuff. And here's how I'm feeling right now. And I really need your encouragement. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent because everything about this world right now leads to disconnection, isolation, putting up these like avatars of what's happening. And man, this work that we're doing, I bet this work that every single person that's doing, that's listening is doing, but like we are speaking specifically to this, like, you know, putting stories out there world, this like putting podcasts out, what you know, using our voices, whatever the case is, you know, writing books, whatever it might be. We, this is hard, brutal lonely, isolating, hard, holy work. And we do not check in on these people enough who are, you know, showing up. Everything seems, you're strong friends, you're encouraging friends, you're comforting friends. Like we need to check on those people because everybody assumes they're good. Everybody assumes somebody else has, right? It's like, I saw a thing, this is like a random deviation a little bit, but I saw a thing where it was like, Everybody was inviting somebody. They were like tagging them in, on Instagram to do something. And um, Sheila Walsh just did a post and she was like, well, nobody tagged me. So I'm just going to tag myself. And you would never, nobody tagged her because they thought you've been tagged 57 times already. I'm not going to be another person bothering you with this. You would never guess just how lonely this life can feel, how lonely this work can feel. So we got we to gotta check on each other and we got to do exactly what you said. We got to have those people we can send a message and just go, hey, this feels like it does not matter. This feels like my voice is being silenced. This feels like it will all have been for nothing. It feels like I will push this boulder up the mountain and it will roll all the way back down tomorrow and I'll start again. And maybe nobody would notice if I just quit altogether. Like, what do I do with that? What do I do with that information? You know, and just having people who tell you, like, just pause and look back how far you've come. There's a long way to go, but just look how far you've come. I'm curious for you, and I'm, sh- you know, I I haven't had a chance to um to read the book yet, which I already pre-ordered my copy, and it's like the second it comes in the mail, I am just like, <laughs> I'm gonna be reading through it. Um, but I'm curious for you, what were some of the things that really began to maybe heal this part of you where you were struggling with this and you know, yes, like getting, staying committed and staying focused to what God has for you. Um, But maybe even in a practical sense, like what are some of the practices and things that you implemented in your own life, in your own business, in your own vocational pursuits to remind you that you are on the right path and maybe even begin to foster some of those relationships to check in with other people. And then they in turn check in with you and like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first thing to say, Molly, and I say this in the beginning of the book, there's an author's note. And I say, the thing you need to know is that this book was written from the trenches, not the mountaintop. Uh, if you're looking for a book that's like, what, like, like the Elwood's version of this, like what, like it's hard, like just give up achieving for your worth and you'll never ever feel comparison again. Like, no, this book was written because I was legitimately asking myself, 
Is it even possible? Is it even possible this side of heaven to untether yourself from achieving if that is all you've ever known? Is it possible when you're like me and you're about to be 42 years old and it's all you've ever known? Like, have the neural pathways been cemented at this point? And so it was really written from that place of like, well, how, okay, let's imagine that it's possible for a second. And I don't know if I even like, you know, I'm just like all in the beginning when I'm writing it, all dubious, like, can you even do this? And what ended up happening is that I feel like I like to imagine the book because it has 35 essays um, that sort of form the arc that's sort of like they're first they're walking you through like uh, your own filters and expectations, other people's expectations, like all these things that go into achieving for your worth. So I think of it like a bicycle where there's the center hub and there are all these spokes that kind of flow into all the reasons we achieve for our worth. The filters of underdogs, other people's expectations, the I'll be happy when blanks, right? The we feel like people can see right through us. The we're all chasing other people. We all want that approval. There's just all these things that I think go into it. And so for me, what's really interesting is that one of the last entries of dirt. So I thought we were at the end of a journey of making peace with our past. We'd come on this whole arc. There'd been these wounds ripped open this unraveling, this stitching back together as an integrated being, the girl in the trailer and the girl after making peace with both of those parts I held in myself. One of the very last entries actually becomes one of the very first entries in slow growth. I call it our inciting incident because I realized making peace with your past is only part of the story if you are still dealing with the side effects, if you are still believing there is any gold star or highlight reel, or check mark, or just one more thing, or if I can just get to that place, that will. There's no amount of more that will ever make you stop feeling less than. So it's. I already read a piece, and I did not intend to do this, but I'm going to read one more little tiny bit that is this part I'm talking about because I think it's like the answer to your question. So the inciting incident is this: at a certain point, you stop running. Breathless and at last exhausted, you double over at the pain of a lifetime spent proving you've run so hard for so long, you've gone so far out into the world only to keep finding yourself at the beginning. You have spent a lifetime starting over, breaking loose to run free, only to be taken captive again and again. This one truth always dragging, always clawing at your heels like the heavy chains you never asked to bear. No matter how hard you run, you can't outrun you. So you crawl there for a while, panting through the pain, and then you curl up in surrender and rest your face on the cool, hard ground. Death to this old life you once knew, a mourning of what was lost before the thrill of hope takes flight, a dying of self to become a new thing, this time one with both roots and wings. God set me free of me. And then I say, our inciting incident, this plot point spark moment that will send us on a narrative arc that will hopefully leave us utterly and forever changed by the end, our inciting incident is at last exhausted. To a certain extent, we have had to reach this place where it's starting to dawn on us. Man, I made it from the trailer in West Virginia to my house in Connecticut. I have a white kitchen island. I have the two golden retrievers. I have all these other things that I thought would make me feel like I'd arrived, that I thought would make me feel enough, that would make me go one day of my life without feeling like other people don't include you. Other people have no time for you. Other people, you're still not enough of something. You have to, to a certain extent, try that for yourself and begin to reach the end of it. Begin to have that moment of like, oh man, the dopamine hits that I'm getting from larger and larger accomplishments are diminishing each time. And the window of celebration is getting shorter. And it's like this more, this more, this more. I'm eating the marshmallows out of the bag faster and faster. No idea why I'm still starving. To a certain extent, you start to feel that sickly feeling of eating a whole bag of marshmallows and still not feeling full. 
and you go, maybe I need to try a different way. So to a certain extent, you just have to feel a little sick of it. You have to feel a little sick of just every day of your life only being as good or bad as the latest good thing you've done. And then we can start to say, all right, what does it look like for me to instead show up, let go of this insatiable outer version of myself? There's a part in the book where I say, sort of like those Russian nesting dolls, there's this inner core of me that feels so connected to God. There's so much clarity. All I want to do is be in worship to Him and service to Him and community with Him and co-create with Him. But then there's this outer version of me that has access to the world. And that version of me is one big raw nerve ending on display. That version of me is insatiable. It wants to buy all the sweaters so that people can't see through me. It wants to get all the sugary sweet highs, this cookie, top cookie seller, badge of busy, you know, busy is a badge of honor, Girl Scout cookie, whatever that thing's called. (laughs) There's this version of me that just wants to like run faster and faster and faster. And that version is the one that's is interacting with the world. And so in that section, this is like, okay, if it's because the whole book is like, fine, fine. You want me to give up achieving for my worth? Here's what people like me need to know. We are like Ricky Bobby. We don't know what to do with our hands. Then what? Then what? I give up achieving for my worth. What do I do with the next hopefully 40 or 50 years of my life? Do I just sit here on this little hill to die on and just stay? Should I start like knitting sweaters and drinking chamomile tea, like paint a watercolor? What do I do with my life? And the answer is, and I want to get this like put on our walls, like wallpaper it, the use of my gifts in service to others for his ultimate glory for the rest of my life. Over and over and over every day, the use of my gifts in service to others for his ultimate glory for the rest of my life. Do you know that my my life verse is 1 Peter 4.10? Do you know that? I do not know that. So, I mean, it's literally on my license plate. My license plate is 1 Peter 4.10. My email Uh signature is 1 Peter 4.10. My um, Instagram bio is 1 Peter 4.10. Like, it's on jewelry I wear. And for those that are like, what is First Peter 4? It's each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Wow. What and is happening today? What I'm just happening? saying like that is that is my life verse. And that is and that was actually going to be like one of the next things I, I was going to say. And I was going to say, you know, because I think we've kind of, you know, obviously you and I have gotten real vulnerable um, here in the last, uh, you know, 40 minutes or so. But I want to share because I don't want to leave people who are sitting there and are listening and saying, that's me. Like that is, I struggle with that too. And I want, I want there to be people who say me too, me too, me too, so that they, they know that they're not alone. But because I am who I am, um, I don't want to leave you there. And I don't want to leave you. And I know, Mary, you're this, you're the same way too. That's why you, you know, wrote an entire book on this is, (laughs) is not wanting to leave people there. And, and Mm. what is, what is next? And yes. So yes, focusing on what is the gift that you have been been given and how do you use that gift to serve others around you? Because that is where you begin to find contentment. Yeah. And when you see it and you see the things that you've been given and the gifts that you've been given and you no longer see them as your own, but as you've been given them to steward over. Yeah. Um, that is where a mindset shift happens. And I was going to say that, and I, I'd love for you to, to share, you know, maybe what, how this has kind of worked out in your life as well. Because for me, like in the last two years, yeah, I would say like I've struggled with discontentment in my career 
and 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 struggling with feeling like I'm ugh, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I should be. I'm not where blah, 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 and like I hear that. But I would say that while that has been happening in other areas, I have found deep peace and contentment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's this weird place that um, that I, I often like struggle with because I'm like, okay, God, I'm real content over here. Like this feels good. I feel I'm really content. And then over here, I'm really struggling. And so it's this like the little like devil and the little angel over here. Um, yeah. Because like you know, I I mean, I was I was actually having a conversation with a friend the other day, just talking about we moved to our farm uh, a year ago, and that was a ten year dream and goal for my husband and I. I mean, just we had dreamed about it and talked about it. We had saved, we had sacrificed, you know, when, when, you know, friends were going on like big, you know, not big fancy vacations, but going on like big fancy vacations. And we were like, (laughs) nope, we're saving. We have this dream. We have this vision. We have this goal. And to like live here and know that this is the place that I want to be 90 years old and drinking Mm. diet Coke on the front porch with my husband, um, in that porch swing and to look out, you know, at our farm and to know the roots that we planted here and the, the lives that we built here and the children we raised and the grandchildren and, um, our church community and all those things. Like I breathe every time, every single time I never get old, old of it when I pull in our driveway and I like round the corner and I, and I come through the trees, I just like want to cry because I'm so thankful for mm. this place because it was something that we had dreamed about and and planned for and prayed for. And it is a literal answer to a prayer. And so I feel this contentment here and, and it's not easy, but I know that this is where I'm supposed to be and it's not fancy. We don't live a fancy life and we have pruned a lot of things um, from our life. But I think that actually the simplicity and simultaneously some complexity because raising animals is not easy. <laughs> we've had a we've lost a lot of chickens to hawks in the last couple of weeks, and I'm real mad about it. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I would say like the simplicity of of this lifestyle has encouraged a, a bit of contentment within me. But then at the yeah. same time, I have this other aspect where I'm like, I know that like I was made to do more. And God, what what are you doing over here? What are you doing mm. over here? And so I guess my my question, and I sh- I set all that up just to be like, what is that for you? What mm. are the areas of your lives where you go, you go, God, thank you for this, and I'm so content here. And yet, and then over here, you have the little the little devil and the little angel, like having the back and forth conversation. Oh, a hundred. Well, first of all, just a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There is, there's a part in dirt where I talk about, it's right after I've gotten the acceptance letter to Yale Law School or the email to Yale Law School, you know, Mary, welcome to Yale Law. And the very next section is says, there is a reason why in the underdog movie, when the hero gets everything we want, we cue the credits and we cue the score and we flip the channel and we look away because nobody wants to live with someone once they get everything they ever wanted, they become insufferable. They start using words like whom properly in a sentence. And I say, but what if success, uh, mostly because I've just never really figured out how to do that well. Um, What if success is where the real trouble began? What if we go home at night, even after we got everything we ever wanted, laid down in the cool cotton sheets, and we still can't sleep soundly? We feel like a walking, waking imposter. We scream at our thin epidermis. What could you possibly still want? You have everything you ever asked for. 
And that is what you're describing. Because for me, I will literally walk around this island like I already described. God, when is this going to happen? God, when can, can you please just bless that? When is that going to take off? When is that going to... And I, and he'll be like, um, hi, uh, you're literally walking in circles around something you prayed for your whole life. Not the island in particular, but this home, this husband, this redeeming marriage. Like, I mean, as silly as it sounds, the golden retrievers from 12, 13 years old when they got one on full house was the epitome of the good life to me. Living in Connecticut was the epitome. It was like everything I dreamed for. You are an author. You got to go to an amazing law school. You have a beautiful marriage. You have beautiful dogs. Yes, there are things that you still want, but you're you're walking in prayers answered. So let's just hang out there for a little while. Like we'll talk about you feel like you were made for more because there I do still have a plan for you. You are being prepared for that. There is a hope and a future, and we're gonna get there. But I feel like you're missing it, Mary. I feel like we're just like fire hosing through all of these things. You're going to be on your deathbed and you won't have like actually savored any of them. So maybe we just like hang out here for the morning and we watch how the light falls through your kitchen window and you actually taste the coffee in your cup and you feel the softness of your dog's ears when they've just gotten groomed after four months of being filthy and you just slow down and realize I've literally already answered so many beautiful prayers. So maybe you look at my track record and you trust it. Maybe there's a great saying. um, I heard Audrey Roloff say it like God's past faithfulness demands his present trust. And when we look at, you know, yeah, there have been times in my past where I'm like, what's happening? This feels like a hard year. But as a whole, if you zoom out and look at the timeline, what a dream, what a dream. Everything that little girl in West Virginia never, ever thought was possible. So maybe we just like relax. There's a reason surrendering involves opening your hand, which involves relaxing. So you can actually enjoy it. So I always tell people, and I tell myself in the mirror all the time, imagine it all works out. Assume it all works out. Maybe not exactly the way that you wanted. Maybe not at all what you thought it would look like. But assume you are on your deathbed and you're looking back on your life and you go, huh, It really was amazing. It was better than I could have hoped for. And then you're like, crap, I'm on my deathbed. I wish I could go back and just live in it and enjoy it. Do that now. Man, one of the things you said reminded me of actually something else in my my Bible study time this morning was, um, so in my, I do the Bible recap as well, which is like a reading the Bible through the year and there's like a podcast and all that. I love it so much. But I mean, I'm currently at the time of this recording, I'm in Deuteronomy. And what's really interesting about the first like 10, 12 chapters of Deuteronomy is it is essentially Moses just recapping to the Israelites everything that they've been through. Mm. And it's it's essentially just a summation of everything that God has done and reminding them of all that he has done in their lives in preparation for he's, you know, Moses is about to die and Moses isn't going to get to see the promised land. He's not going to get to step into the, into the promised land, but the Israelites will and uh, led by Joshua. And he knows because in his conversations with God, he knows that it's not going to be easy, even when they yeah. step into the promised land that God had for generations promised them. And he is a promise keeper, even though they kept breaking their end of the deal. Yeah. But it's this sweet reminder from Moses to the Israelites of look at what you have been through. Look at what God has done and remember that. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. that you are not 
stepping foot into the promised land yet. And guess what? I'm Moses and I'm not going to step into the promised land. Hmm. Um, And one of the things that I always love is like, it always comes full circle because then if you go into the new Testament and you go into the scene, you know, where the, um, where Jesus goes onto the Mount of transfiguration and he's there with Moses and Elijah. And I think like, is that the first time that God ever really like let Moses see the promised Hmm. land? Like, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thought. Like, yeah, did 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 Moses get to kind of take it all in or did he just not care at that point? You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. It's just it's just an interesting thought. Just an interesting thought. Um, But, you know, I, I just love that idea of like just reminding it's just he's repeating himself and he's going over. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've done. Here's the promises I've kept. Here's the promises I've kept. No, it hasn't all come to pass yet. No, it all hasn't come to pass yet. But keep going and remember that I keep my promises. And so. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's, you know, I I think uh, between the practices of gratitude, keeping a journal, um, I love um, keeping a a prayer journal and writing down my prayers. And sometimes my prayers are big, bold prayers. And sometimes they're just prayers for, hey, I just pray, you know, my kids have a great day at school today or whatever, you know, whatever it is, like, I pray for no rain this weekend, because I'm real tired of the rain right now. Um, You know, whatever it was, whether it's big prayers or little prayers, and just then getting the opportunity to go back and to look at those journals and say, oh, isn't that cool to see? I wrote this prayer down at this time and look at how that prayer was answered. And even if that prayer was answered with a no, look at the better answer I got. And yeah. um, man. Yeah, I love that. And, and in an interesting way, um, this is a much less enjoyable activity probably, but to kind of mirror that, like so journaling and keeping track and keeping records of all the times God kept his promise and God came through. And then also I try to, you know, keep a little mini list in my head or written down of like the things I thought would fulfill me, the things that I thought Oh, when that happens, then I'll feel different. Oh, when that, when I get to that place, then I'll feel different. When I check that box, I'll feel different. And they just don't. Cause I think we need to actually start keeping track of that as well. Like if we're going to believe it, because it's so tempting to say, well, yeah, but I feel like if I could just, I mean, I know, I know, I know it hasn't worked so far, but if I could just get to where she is, then I swear I would just be like relaxed for the rest of my life. That's all I would ever ask for. I'd be done. But by the time the person who sets that goal, if I could just be where she is, by the time you get to it, you have a whole new list, right? You don't even, it doesn't even feel like what you think it's going to feel like when you get it because you're already on to the next thing. And I just feel like we have to start noticing that. We have to start paying attention to that so that we can believe it, that it's not just one more mile, one more mile right up around the bend. Happiness is just, just, just to be on my fingertips, but I'll catch it eventually. Um, and if it's rooted in these things, it's just, I mean, listen, I have tried. I've tried for enough for all of us. <laughs> I have put in the time. I've put in the work. I've been the gold star, A plus overachiever. And I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so done with it. I'm so done with, you know, how happy I get to be today is, do I have something to shout about? Do I have something to share? Do I have something to throw the confetti over? Like, what if it were just a cup of coffee in a kitchen, you know, some chickens, a tree that makes us smile, like a front porch. What if that was like, And I will say one other thing I meant to say earlier on that is that one thing I have noticed, maybe this is for somebody, is that I am at my most miserable when I'm making it the most about me. When I'm making it the most about what I'm getting, what I'm doing, what I'm achieving, what's happening for me. When I can show up to a podcast episode and instead of thinking about like 
you know, ooh, this guest is going to get me views for sure. If I can just show up and meet that person as one other person and we can speak life into each other and have a real conversation and think of the one person it might help, that is so much more happy. Look at what, I mean, look at what's happened here. You know, that happens to two souls showing up and saying, what's going on with you? So I know I am my most miserable when I make it about me and, you know, it's just God's economy. It doesn't make sense, but I am my most happy when I'm giving it all away. You know, when I'm giving away the gifts, when I'm giving away lights, when I'm giving away love. And I just think of like the Care Bear stare come, come, coming out of like pouring out of us. That's for somebody right now. Um, you know, and like, it's like the more we like beam that light into the world, I feel like the more like white hot light comes in the top of our heads. And we're just like connected to God in that moment, right? We're just that vessel. And when we try to make it about us, we turn off those valves. We're not pouring it out. We're not taking it in. It's just, it feels empty because it is. Mm. Mary, I could have you on for seven other hours. Um, I just love you so much. And I am so grateful for your voice. And I'm so grateful for your vulnerability and your honesty and the way that you share and the way you show up in the world and the way that you just say, hey, here's who I am. And um, I just pray that you connect with that. And I just, oh, I love it so much. Um, and I'm so stinking proud of you and your book and um, your podcast and everything that you're doing um, for the listeners. I'm just going to shamelessly say right now, you need to just go buy Mary's book, Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots. In fact, you should just add, if you don't already own it, you should add dirt to cart as well. And you should just read them both and you should own them and they should sit beautifully <laughs> on your shelf and um, let... Mary's words just pour over you like a salve and, um, you know, a salve to like a weary soul. And I, you said at one point you'd said something about a thrill of hope and it just it made me immediately think of, oh, holy night. And they just thinking mm. of that, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices yes. and um, to to find the space to be rejoicing in the midst of, um, you know, weary times and oh, goodness. OK, well, before we get to the get to know you round where I ask just some fun questions, um, Mary, is there any last like parting things or anything else that you just want to share or, um, you know, say what's what's co going on for you this year or, or anything? Yes. Well, the first thing that I want to say, and I, I need you to hear every word of this, is that for anybody who is paying attention and for anybody who has eyes to see and even a drop of discernment, like when I look at you and everything that you're doing, like it is a foregone conclusion to me that God is going to use you in mighty ways in this world, that you are going to be a voice for a generation, that you, I see you on gigantic stages speaking to hearts that need to hear it. I see you writing beautiful words that people need to read. I see all of the ears who need your voice in them, like listening to you pour into them. I see this. I see it being, I see it growing. I see it growing and doing things that would blow your mind if you knew right now. And so just enjoy it. Just, just relax and fold the hand. I'm saying this to myself too, because I, when I look at you, when I see your stuff, I'm like, every time I see you, I'm like, oh, Man, that Molly, she is just called for big things. So absorb cry. all of that. You're making me more cry, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, uh, take all of you. that. And then I'll just tell people so I don't forget about it. One of the fun things that we did, so really, really, really quickly, I do like the idea of dirt and slow growth, getting them together because they are very much twin sister books. They go together. Dirt itself is divided into the girl in the trailer, the girl after, but I've realized that dirt is the love letter to the girl in the trailer. And this is the love letter to the girl after. And in throughout this book, throughout Slow Growth, one of the things you'll see is 
I thought that I had to like cut off that part of me that was a photographer to be taken seriously as an author. And it turns out that use my gifts, plural, God really had some some fun with that because you'll see our some of our photography throughout the pages of this book. And those photos were taken five or six years ago for no purpose. We didn't know why we were doing them. They were just for us. We were burnt out, what have you. Put them on a hard drive, never saw the light of day. And then I start writing this book. And these characters I'm describing of the woman always performing are perfectly represented by photos that were taken six years ago. So God was writing this book six years ago. And so throughout, you'll see these five characters of the woman always performing, the performer, the contortionist, the tightrope walker, the illusionist in the distance, and the masquerader. And we have put together a quiz because we believe that while most people will resonate with, we say, these different, yet somehow all the same versions of the woman always performing, there's one that tends to be your dominant, and it affects how you approach your purpose in the world. Are you doing it so other people can see you? And how you feel about yourself like the performer? Are you doing it? You could care less who's clapping. You just want that higher and higher dopamine hit like the tightrope walker. Are you hiding in plain sight for fear of failing yourself or others like the masquerader? Are you twisting yourself up in knots? You couldn't care about the goals, but you want other people to be pleased with you, the contortionist, or are you waiting until you're perfect years in the future, somewhere off in the distance before you can even start like the illusionist? And so if you go to achieverquiz.com, A-C-H-I-E-V-E-R quiz.com or marymorans.com slash quiz, you can take it and it will tell you your strengths, where you get tripped up and where you go from here to lean into purpose. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. And your fo- your photography is beautiful. Still one Thank of my you. all-time favorite photos is I mean one of your most popular photos of all time is that the snowy wedding with the light yes. and the and everybody who knows Mary's photography is like, "Yep, I know exactly which picture." <laughs> um it's on Mary's feed. You could just scroll down and you you would be able to find it. And every time I see it, I'm just like, Good gracious, good golly, you're amazing. Um, What an incredible photo. So um, thank you for doing that, Mary. And I will have all the links for all of that in the show notes um, if you missed it. And uh, go buy these books and read them and soak them up and all of the things and then tell other people about them. Um, Okay, Mary, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. All right. What is your current guilty pleasure? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say it is, well, we just finished Yellowstone. I think that counts as a guilty pleasure. So that was the guilty pleasure. But now it's just sort of like 2020 episodes that are just like true crime <laughs> murders. I will often wake up way too early and start my day with them. So it's that's a problem. I'm working on not starting my day with murder. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and funny enough, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Tyler Merritt on the show and his guilty pleasure was also Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So in a, in a hypothetical scenario that is not going to happen, but we're just for fun funsies and nothing bad has happened, but you wake up tomorrow and you are forced to do something else for a living. Like you can't do your mm-hmm. podcast anymore. You can't write anymore. You can't be a photographer. It's you have to pick a totally new career. What would it be? Mm, I'm going to say interior design. I think that would be really fun. So when I was in seventh grade, I don't know if you took this test or not when you're in seventh grade, but it was like, I feel like it was called cap, but I might be making that up. And you would just like, you know, fill in all of these questions and it would tell you like the jobs you were most. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, your, there's a word. I cannot think of what it's called. Uh, like it's like achievement, but that's not it. Apt- aptitude. Um, aptitude. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so anywho, it came back and it said you should be a lawyer, a photographer, a teacher, an author, 
or an interior designer. And so I've done four of them. Yeah. And now I'm just going to work on number five. I like it. I like it. And it's that's a fun question to ask people who have an entrepreneurial mindset because everybody has an answer. And they're just like, yes. oh, yeah, because somebody who is naturally wired that way is all always building like 17 businesses in the back of their yes. mind. Like my husband's yes. would be um, he and his college roommate always joked about opening up a putt-putt course. <laughs> Oh, he's like, I just want awesome. I just want a really awesome indoor putt putt course. And I'm like, let's please not do that business. Let's please, <laughs> let's please not do that. But he really is like in the back of his mind. He's like, one day, one day I'm going to open up this putt putt course. All I can picture in my head right now is it like being on your farm and there being like giant chickens. That you have to like <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not going to share that part with my husband at all because then it's going to give him too many ideas. Um, okay. Uh, what is your current favorite uh, book that you have read in the last year or so? Mm, I actually just got to read uh, an early copy of, I guess I haven't learned that yet from Sean Aniquist, who is my favorite author. Ooh. And it's so good. Okay. And it's, it's beautiful. Oh, it's so good. All right. Adding yeah. to my TBR list. Yeah. All right. And then I know that you and Justin love music and love to listen to music while Justin cooks his like incredible five-star dining meals. <laughs> um, so what's on your current like most played playlist? Mm, okay. So uh, Richard Marks Radio, because <laughs> it brings up all of the most amazing 80s and early 90s songs. I love it. Um, so like not just Richard Marks songs, it's like the radio. So it's like yeah. and similar. Yeah. Um, Van Morrison radio and similar. Um, and then we just started listening to, oh God, Vitamin String Orchestra. Vitamin so String like, Quartet. Um, Quartet, yes. Love Vitamin String Quartet. Big fan. Okay. Yeah. So we, I mean, I, I did like a Peloton ride and one of their songs was on the ride and I was like, who are these people? And Justin loves the cello. There's a band or a group, an ensemble as it were at Yale called Low Strung that does like modern music, modern songs to cello and he loves them. And so, yeah. That's awesome. I, yeah. my bridal party walked down the aisle to Vitamin String Quartet's version of Crash by um, Dave yes. Matthews Band. <laughs> yes. That's and then awesome. I actually walked down the aisle to like a produced video with like, it was oh, so over the top and so much fun. Um, and then it like, it like crescendoed and it um, played uh, Hillsong's with everything. And like the doors Ooh. opened and it was, yeah, we, my husband and I like to go be a little bit extra on that stuff. I like it. Um, I like it. Okay. And then my last question is, as you know, the question I ask um, at the end of every episode, and that is, uh, Mary, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Mm. I mean, I, I think it really is what we were talking about earlier. I just, there, one of the, you know, spoiler alert, one of the very last entries in slow growth starts with the question, are you all in? You know, we are, we are standing on the precipice of an after these two roads are diverging out in front of us. Will we be the people who go out and use our gifts for profit and for, you know, to make a, a way for our own selves? Or will we be all in and say, I want to take every gift, every good thing, every story? That's a, that's a hard, sometimes that's harder for people. You know, we can use our gifts, but when it comes to using our story, especially if it feels like a hard part of our story or an ongoing part of our story, will I turn it all around back to you, God, and say, let every word be a worship? Let every paragraph be a psalm, right? Let me give it all back to you and be all in to say, I want to have this, you know, long obedience in the same direction, this utmost for your highest. How you do anything is how you do everything. I want to be all in God. And I want my life and the generations to come to say that my life was marked 
by using everything I had and giving it to you. And so I think that's that's the that's the purpose I'm clinging to right now is what does it look like to stop making it about me? You know, just to let go of that and just to move forward saying, what does it look like to care bear stare this out into the world and let let whatever it's meant to do happen? Mm. So good. Mary, thank you. It's a, you are a gift to us all. And thank you for being here. And thank you for being my friend. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being my friend. And I love you. I love you. And I can't wait to turn the tables on you someday. (laughs) How many mind blown moments did you have during that conversation? Like I did. I just adore Mary. And I just feel like maybe we should, I don't even know, like co-host a show together or something. She is just such a gift. And this episode was really, really special. Be sure to tune in next week where my guest is Garrett Underwood. Garrett is the executive director of the Seed House Project, which is a live and work home for at-risk youth. He is such a hilarious, kind, smart guy. He's doing incredible things to help combat the uh, crisis of homelessness in Los Angeles. He is just what an incredible human being. You're going to love it. So be sure to tune in next week. Meanwhile, I would love to know what you loved about this particular episode. So let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag, Business with Purpose Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support week in and week out. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen and click that subscribe or follow button to help make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>